We're finishing a uh, <clears throat> four-week series this morning, and if this is your first one, you can uh, catch the other ones, three of the, the other, or two of the other three on our website. Based on a book by a guy named Mark Atterbury, who wrote the book called Ten, The Ten Dumbest Things Christians Do. And we picked four, and we renamed it called Living Below Your Potential, just because in this day and age, if we say the word dumb, everybody gets fired up, and, and uh, we thought we'd, we'd work with it a little bit. But um, before I get there, I'm just going to share with you a little bit about uh, <clears throat> Cheryl and I just got back from a trip to Montana. We spent some time with uh, my mom, who this Tuesday will be 92. She's doing great. Um, we had a lot of fun. We did a lot of fun things. And we spent some time with my brother and his wife. Janice is battling through a very difficult journey of cancer. And uh, it, was, it was great to spend some time with them. We kind of scheduled this time to just to be there. Uh, it is a little surreal. And some of you have experienced that, to sit around a table and really think about this could be your last time. And that, that was, uh, man, Janice knows the Lord. She's rejoicing. Um, and I know that this family is really kind of coming together to, just to see the Lord's will. Billings is an interesting town, and Montana is an interesting state. And I grew up in Montana, so I have the freedom to say that. But as my brother and I were visiting, we thought back to, uh, he's the one that pointed them out to me, Jeff Foxworthy talks about, you know, you're a redneck if, and... Uh, the two I liked the most that we were talking about, the first one was, you, you know you're a redneck in Montana if people randomly drop by your house and ask if you're having a garage sale. <laughs> and then the, the other one I liked is, you know you're a redneck in Montana if, people, if you make change in the offering plate when it goes by. So, You know, first service liked that a lot better. <laughs> Maybe it was my delivery. I mean, they were just coming out of the seats. They thought it was great. <clears throat> okay, let's see if I can work on it a little bit. So... This morning, we're finishing this series that I mentioned to you, and I want to just give you a quick review. Living below your potential is the concept. I do not want you to think that I am a guilt monger today, and as I share with you that, that my goal is for you to feel so guilty when you leave here, my goal is for all of us to leave today feeling encouraged by the plan that God has for us. And so as we look at it, we realize that he really has designed a plan for each one of us, an individual plan that gives us the ability to experience his purpose in our lives in the greatest way. The first week we talked about, Brian preached about accepting the unacceptable and the challenge of living among the weeds, amongst the weeds, not being aware of the impact on us as believers and the importance of recognizing them and realizing that God's plan and God's love and God's power are greater than even the weeds so that we don't have to be affected by them. We then focused on uh, where your treasure is or your heart will also be, allowing our priorities to be tainted by the, the world's deception of what is valuable compared to what God value, values for us, and that was an important one. Then last week, Aaron talked about, uh, about missing golden opportunities to share the love of God and, not, and really not and learning how to be aware of those around us and the needs that they have. It was important for us because as we live below our potential, we sometimes forget that. This morning, we want to look at an area, the area of settling for mediocrity and how it can dictate God's purpose for us as far as living with joy, his direction, and being reminded of his design for us. We used a verse that I really like out of 2 Corinthians 6.3 from the Living Bible. And it says this, We try to live in such a way that no one will be offended or kept back from finding the Lord by the way we act, so that no one can find fault with us and blame it on the Lord. As we unpack that real quickly, we realize that the first thing that he's sharing with us is that no one will be offended by us. And, and, if, and because if they see the way we act, sometimes they don't look at us, which is the second part. They say they blame it on the Lord. Over the years, one of the things I've heard 
a, a number of times, far too many times, is how hypocritical people think Christians are. Because we say one thing and we do another. Our walk does not match our talk. And so it's kind of a tough one to step up to it, but, but as we realize what God has for us, there's this idea of he wants what's excellent for us. We're going to get there in just a minute. Why do we struggle with living up to how we know God wants us to be? We settle into living below our best, which is set before us by God. So here's what Atterbury kind of reminded me as I read his chapter. God loves excellence. And he gives us the opportunity to aspire to excellence in him. He loves excellence. It starts with us. Before I get to these quotes, as I look in my life and I think about excellence, it's important for me to realize sometimes standards that I've seen set around me. I will never forget my first year when I moved to Oregon City. I had the chance to uh, be, at, we, our church in, uh, encouraged us to be a part of some kind of a community outreach. And so uh, at that point, I, I just once in a while showed up at the girls' basketball program practices. And I remember when the very first practice, I was standing there and I listened to Coach Brad Smith and Coach Carl Tinsley say to this group of girls that were standing around the center of the, the court, and they said, you know what? You just need to be aware of that this is just not, and they weren't saying it in an arrogant way, this is just not an ordinary basketball program. We are, we are state champions, and we are um, champions of America. And so the level that it takes to, to be a part of this program is much greater than any just normal program. And, and what stood out to me was this. Today we're talking about settling for mediocrity. And, and I was impressed. I mean, I, mean, I wish I was old, you know, young enough to play. I thought, man, this, what an exciting way to, to be challenged. This is going to be a program that is not just mediocre. This is a program that strives for excellence. Now, I, I got a chance for a few years to be a part of that program. I learned so many things. Um, just a lot of great girls came through our youth program. I, I have, a lot of them are dear friends of mine still today. But I will never forget the challenge. And as I relate that to Christianity, <clears throat> When's the last time you heard somebody say, now you're going to be a part of God's family? And this just isn't any ordinary family. This is a family that has amazing requirements because of the excellence that's set before us by God himself. And so as you become a part of this family, it's not that guilty, full of guilt, we have to say, I got to do all these things. It's that we go, hey, I want to be a part of this because I want to have that level of living be something that matches the excellence that God has set before us. And I like that. John McKay, I, I guess I said he was a basketball coach. He's a football coach. He coached Tampa Bay. He was at USC. He wrote this quote, and I like these two quotes. This first one says, I'm a big believer in the mirror test. All that matters is if you can look in the mirror and honestly tell the person you see there is there is that you have done your best. And then Swindoll, Charles Swindoll wrote in his book, Living Above the Level of Mediocrity, great quote from a guy named Isaac D. Israeli. And I looked the guy up. He was a British scholar, scholar. He says, and I like the way he put it, kind of like come thou fount, I like his language. It is a wretched taste to be gratified with mediocrity when the excellence lies before us. To be gratified with mediocrity when the excellence lies before us. We have the ability to experience excellence. What does that mean? First of all, God made us that way. Genesis 1.31, you see it on the screen. Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was excellent in every way. We were created as excellent. Some, sometimes we get lost in the shuffle in our lives. And we think about all the things that we can't do and all the things we weren't able to do and all the, the handicaps we have as far as, you know, I'm not this smart, I can't do this. And what we need to hear today is God made us to be excellence. 
Whatever you do, Colossians 3.23 says, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for man. In the same way, Matthew 5.16 says, in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. One of the most important things about being a follower of Christ is that we're joining in a lifestyle based on God's loving principles that are a light to the world. And I know I can forget that. Sometimes I get caught up in, in the things that I'm not doing and the things I should be doing. And, I, and I, my goal is not for you to wake up tomorrow and go, I got a list of 29 things I've got to do in order to be experiencing God's excellence. My goal for you and me is to, to wake up tomorrow morning and go, God, you've created me to be excellent. Would you reveal to me during my day areas that I'm supposed to be aware of? Yesterday, I was driving home from uh, an event. Actually, it was it, I, we were over at our daughter's house, and I was in a lane, and I thought the two came together, and as I gunned my car, my little car, I got into the front of this gal who just sped up behind me and had a gesture for me. And so I uh, immediately slowed down, honked my horn, and made sure she saw me because I was a little fired up. And Cheryl, my lovely wife, said, I'm pretty sure I've seen that lady at Mountain View. <laughs> he has his excellence for us. It was, it was a good reminder for me because I said, no, no, she's not. She's never been there. <laughs> but I, I quickly thought that. When we strive for excellence, God has a great plan. Atterbury had, has a great list, and I want to give those to you um, from his book, if I can find my list, because it's, uh, here they are. Again, not, he, he has scriptures for these. I'll leave this out if you want to look at it. It's really good, but it's just, it's, the Bible commands excellence, and here's what he says. He says, give generously, speak truthfully, work diligently, suffer patiently, interact peacefully, worship regularly, forgive completely, think positively, love completely, choose wisely. And his last one was live quietly. And I looked that one up to kind of see what he meant about excellence. And it was just to live our lives in such a way that that quiet reflection of God's love comes out in everything we say and do. And as I look at those, I look at what he's saying as far as excellence, and I realize that, that God asks us to strive for that. Where, where have you lost it? And I ask myself, where have I lost it in my, my everyday living? And we're going to get to that in just a minute. The first thing that I see as I think about this area of not settling, settling below mediocrity and living below your potential is the word courage. Courage. We need to be bold in living for Christ. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, 2 Timothy 1, 7 says, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Not settle for mediocrity. We need to utilize God's spirit of power and love and self-discipline, and that's what he gives to us. So, so I like that verse because as I, I understand that, that spirit that's given us by God, we, we just... It gives us boldness. Acts 4.20, another concept of courage that I like. He said in, in this verse, for we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Are you catching this? With the spirit God has given to us by God, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. When's the last time you shared with someone who doesn't know Jesus because you knew that they had this need for his love and his forgiveness, and it was just a part of your your personality and your conversation, you just couldn't wait to share with them. Or are you so afraid to say anything that you just kind of keep it to yourself? They couldn't help speaking about what they'd seen and heard, and they were, they were going to tell everybody. I look at my life, and I remember when I was younger, the boldness that I had to share the message of Christ with people that I knew were hurting, and it didn't bother me, and I would step in not in an arrogant way and not in a condescending way, and I just couldn't wait to tell them, and we just saw some incredible results. 
And sometimes I look at myself today and I realize that society has told me that there are certain words that I can't use and certain things that I can't say and certain things that I can't really point out because they're going to term me as legalistic or um, I'm, I'm not very flexible. And, I, and I, I pull back instead of just being able to share what he's done for me in a loving way. It doesn't have to be anything phony. When I'm around people that don't know the Lord, and I, I said this in first service, when they ask me what I do, it really depends on my audience. Because if some people, if I say I'm a pastor, we're done. They won't say another word. They've labeled me, and this is the box they put me in. And sometimes I, limp, I say to them, you know, I, I counsel people. And when I was a youth pastor, I used to say, hey, I, I help teenagers. And they would love to find out what that means. So as you see it, you begin to realize that, that he's, what he's asking for is for us to be courageous, to step out there. Sometimes when we step out there, we do things wrong. And for some of you this morning, you are worried about exerting yourself into anywhere because you're afraid you'll do it wrong. And what he's asking for us to do is we don't have the spirit of timidity. I, I told first service that uh, when we first started Mountain View, there was a church that came and they wanted to walk through from start to finish everything we did. They wanted to see us uh, unload everything. Some of you don't realize we have nine uh, little carts we pull out every Sunday. We, we put them up everywhere, and then we load them all back up when we leave. And we pull it in a trailer, a 24-foot trailer. So, you know, I, I mean, I've backed trailers up. I've hauled trailers all my life. And as I pulled it into the college, for some reason, I found myself, I jackknifed it. If you've ever pulled a trailer, you know that when the trailer gets completely perpendicular to the rig you're in, it won't go anywhere. So I'm stuck over here on the sidewalk. And in my mind, I'm going, these people are coming to, to see what we're doing. i got to get out of this. And the way you get out of a jackknife is you literally have to go, it takes forever. So I'm, I'm partway through, and I look up. Here's 13 people from that church standing right there. They were waiting for me. They were watching me with my jackknife trailer. So I, I mean, I could not. Finally, I just rolled my window down, and I said, hey, does anybody know how to back up a trailer? Because I said, obviously, I don't. And they were laughing, and you know, it, it was hilarious. But I was worried the whole time. Excellence. Sometimes you, you, you determine you're going to be a failure because you can't do things the right way. And what God's telling us today is that we have to have the courage to be willing to do anything for him, even though we don't feel like it's our our area of expertise. One of the things that, that excites me about talking with other people is that we begin to see the growth in them. We begin to realize that, that what God has is a plan for them, and we're just so excited to share with them, again, not in a condescending way, but just in a natural, authentic, real way, we want to share about God's love, and we begin to see that. The second thing I see this morning is capability. 1 Peter 4, 10 through 12 says, Each of us should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. We need to use our gifts to strive for excellence. Just after the first year, we're going to start a discipleship track. And one of those things is going to be to, to identify your spiritual gifts. Many of us know our spiritual gifts. We've gone through that. We've identified what we do. Some of us have no idea what our spiritual gifts are. But what, here's the good news. God gives us those spiritual gifts to use to, to edify the body of Christ. So that as you and I have a gift and we use it, people grow. They grow closer to the Lord and they, they realize that they're being used for a purpose that he's given them on a regular basis. You've heard the old thing, if you don't use it, you'll lose it. So you just kind of settle for mediocrity. And that's where I think some of us live. Romans 14.8 says this, If we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Our giftedness is totally connected to the Lord. And, and I can't tell you, if you haven't experienced it yet, when you go through a, a, a part of your life where you've done nothing using your spiritual gifts, 
And then all of a sudden, he kind of kicks it in, and you begin to use them. You fit into a little place. Jim Collins calls it, you put the right person on the right seat on the bus. You begin to see how fun it is, how much fun it is just to see God working in and through you in a very unique way. And all of a sudden, you feel good about living your life because you realize that he's having you do things that, that have purpose and have meaning. Now, it's easy, and, and it's easy for us. And I say this as, as you get older in life, it's easy to settle for mediocrity. It's easy to just say, you know what, I've made all those efforts, I've done all those things, it doesn't really seem to matter, or I'll do it next time, and begin, we begin to put ourselves on a, a path in life where suddenly we are living below our potential. And the people that God wants to reach in and through us are passing right by us, because we're, we're living below our potential. As I prepared for this message, and as I prayed about it, I thought, I'm going to look at a bunch of people who I love dearly, and who I know very well. And I know these people are at a point in their life, and I look at all of you and say, you know what, you've, you've come to a place where when you understand what it means to live up to the potential that God gave you, it makes a huge difference. Bill Gothard, uh, Basic Youth Conflicts, years ago, said that the way you define potential is God's potential for us is right here, and as we reach our potential, it's how close we come to that potential he's given us. That's, the, that's when we reach our potential. And so my question to you as it is to me is, do you know what God's potential is for your life? Do you know what he said to you? Hey, this is the gifts that I've given you. This is how I want you to use them. And then as you begin to reach them, you'll begin to see not only other people being blessed, but your own life will be blessed because you'll be encouraged as you serve other people, reaching our potential. Preparation is another point this morning. And I see it from Proverbs 3, 21 and 22. It says, my son preserves sound judgment and discernment. Do not let them out of your sight. They will be life for you, an ornament to grace in your neck. Sound judgment and discernment, that keeps us from settling for mediocrity. I wrote this little phrase down called, work out your salvation. And over the years, the theologians, will, some will tell you, you can't work out your salvation because that means you're doing it on your own. What the concept of work out your salvation means this morning is this. When you and I accept Jesus and he comes into our heart, he wants us to be involved in work that makes his plan for our lives experience or come to fruition or be realized. That's how we work out our salvation. We don't just accept Christ and say, hey, I'm done. There's nothing I need to do. On the other hand, he doesn't say to us, you need to be so overwhelmed and so uh, burdened by how much you have to do. He says, work out your salvation. Get involved in the areas that you know he wants you to do that and begin to see him work in and through you. 1 Corinthians 9.25 says, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. If you and I are content to do very little in our walk with the Lord, we will miss out on the excellence. And here's what's fun. He doesn't say to us, you have to live this certain way. He says, if you live this certain way, you will experience the design and the excellence I've given you. And that's a great promise. That doesn't say to me that, you know what, he's just forcing it all on me. It says that as I follow through with his plan, it's just like anything we do in life. You, you read the manual, you begin to understand what, what's supposed to be done, and you follow through on it. The fourth thing that I see this morning is perseverance. Ecclesiastes 5.12 in the New Living Bible says this, people who work hard sleep well. People who work hard sleep well. And, and what I like about that is, is, you and I realize that when we are doing the things that God wants us to do, we have a peace in our hearts and our lives that nobody else can match, that nothing else can match. And as we do that, it's like our life comes together. Things fit together and we sleep well. Proverbs 20, 13 says this, if you love sleep, 
you will end in poverty. Keep your eyes open and there will be plenty to eat. So my challenge to you, as it is to me, is to keep our eyes open and to realize there are ways. Some of you are, are listening to me this morning and you're saying, John, there is nothing that, that really is going to motivate me to step into this realm of, of what God wants me to do. And I'll, I'll tell you this, his love and his forgiveness are really all what we need. And as we see that, we begin to realize he's got this great plan for us. There's a verse in, in Proverbs in the Living Bible that I, it says, that an empty stable is clean, an empty stable without any oxen is clean, but it produces no income. And maybe there's some of you this morning that are striving in your life to just make sure that you've got all these things out of your life and you're not willing to strive for God's excellence so that as you keep your, your stable clean, there's nothing happening. And as you keep your stable clean, you're not really doing anything for God. As you keep your stable clean, there are, there's just nothing. But, but you know what? You can always look at people and say, hey, my, my stable's clean. I want you to, to realize that what he's asking us to do today is as we settle for mediocrity, we are settling for not allowing him to do great things. I always ask myself, who's going to be the next Billy Graham? Who's going to be the next spiritual leader that God raises up? Is it somebody sitting here in Mountain View who's willing to say, hey, I'm going to strive for the excellence that God gives me, and I want to be used. Who's going to be the next Mother Teresa, who, who has such a love for those people that were less fortunate and gave her life to serve them? And, and you go on, you just you see the whole list. But if we settle for mediocrity, we allow ourselves just to kind of just barely get by. Proverbs 6, 10, and 11. A little sleep, a little slumber a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. What is it that God's asking you to do today? What is it that as you search for his will, as you seek his will for your life, as you say, God, what do you want me to do? What is it that overwhelmingly he lays before you as you look at these, these scripture verses today that will allow you and me not to settle for mediocrity? Because you know what? Life is short. And life passes by. I'm looking at, you know, all these things. We just introduced a, a, our newest uh, member of our congregation, Tracy and Matt Shadle, had a little girl, Maggie, just in the last month. And I, I told in the first service that, to me, a picture of excellence is that little baby. God made that baby excellent. And, and our prayer is that she will grow into a young woman and to a woman that will learn what it means to love God and to, to be his, part of his family and to serve him. And yet we can sit and we can just be content to settle for mediocrity because we're not really, you know what, John, I'd like to, but I'm super busy. You know what, John, I'd like, and, and then we realize that, I mean, I even think about our community groups as Ryan's encouraging us to be a part of it. I like sitting in a room listening to other people who struggle with the same things I struggle with, and then we turn to God's Word and say, hey, this is kind of how, how we found an answer. That's awesome because I go home and go, there's hope. I got a chance to, to make it in this world, and that's kind of what community groups do. This morning, I want to, uh, to close with a story, and, and as I, just before I get there, I want to share with you today that, that when I thought about these, these four weeks of study, and again, go on the, you can go on our website, you can listen to two or three of them. One of, the, one of them is not on there because we met at the park, and we did not uh, record that one. But I want you to think about what God has for you. This is uh, the 22nd of September, 2019. And if you look at the next three to four months, we finished 2019, as we get into 2020, we're actually going to give you 20 new things to do in 2020, just to kind of challenge you for some things, and some of them may not be new for you. 
as you look at 2021, as you go for five years, as you go for 10 years, you can look and simply say to yourself, hey, my goal in life is just to get by. It's just to exist. It's to make sure that, that I get through my day and I climb into bed and I get a good night's sleep and I go through the next day. And I'm here to tell you that that's going to be a huge, huge mistake on your part and mine if that's how we look at it. Because if we can say, Lord, here, here's what I, I see your plan for my life. I see you, the principles of your word. I see the joy that you bring and the, the correction that you bring and the inspiration that you bring and the illumination where sometimes I don't see it at all and you open my eyes and my heart to see what you want to do with me and through me. And then I start to say, wow, what an incredible journey that you've put me on and, and given to me. Or you can just say, hey, you know what? I see parents in here who God's got a great opportunity for you and an excellent chance to see those young ones come to know him. I see grandparents in here who have that same op opportunity to not only pray for your kids, but your grandkids and so maybe some of your great-grandkids that you see that God has a plan for, and he wants you to strive for that excellence to show them what it means to live. That's being the light of the world. And yet we can rationalize and we can slip right into mediocrity and say, oh, maybe not today. Charles Swindoll wrote a book called Living Above the Level of Mediocrity years ago. And at the end of his book, he included a story that I want to share with you this morning that I like because I feel like it kind of sums up what we're, uh, we're talking about. So let me just share it with you. Imagine, if you will, that you work for a company whose president found it necessary to travel out of the country and spend an extended period of time abroad. So he says to you and the other trusted employees, look, I'm going to leave, and while I'm gone, I want you to pay close attention to the business. You manage things while I'm away. I will write you regularly. When I do, I will instruct you in what you should do from now until I return from this trip. Everyone agrees. He leaves and stays gone for a couple of years. During that time, he writes often, communicating his desires and his concerns. Finally, he returns. He walks up to the front door of the company and immediately discovers everything is, a, is in a mess. Weeds flourishing in the flower beds. Windows broken across the front of the building. The gal at the front desk dozing. Loud music roaring from several offices. Two or three people engaged in horseplay in the back room. Instead of making a profit, the business has suffered a great loss. Without hesitation, he calls everyone together and with a frown asks, What happened? Didn't you get my letters? You say, Oh, yeah, sure. We all got your letters. We even bound them in a book. And some of us memorized them. In fact, we have a letter stu study every Sunday. You know, those were really great letters. I think the president would then ask, but what did you do about my instructions? And no doubt the employees would respond, do? Well, nothing. But we read every one. Let's pray. Lord, thank you this morning for the, the presence of your spirit. Thank you for the truth of your word. And Holy Spirit, our desire is that you would speak to each one of us right where we live. So whatever this service brought to our minds today, you would give us the, the reminder and then we would take the, the courage and the strength and effort to respond. Because Lord, our goal is to be people who strive for the excellence that you set before us not only to experience your blessings, but to show to a world that needs to see that love and forgiveness. Lord, thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for understanding us. Thank you for, for sending your son, God, to, to take the sins of the world on the cross. 
and then by dying and rising again, giving us the chance to experience not only deliverance from our sins, but eternity with you. And Lord, will you just allow us today to, to just, you know, maybe anew set before you those desires that we have to live for you. Thanks, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Stand with me as we sing together. in the area of settling for mediocrity. Here's what I'm going to challenge you for this morning. First, we want you to know, make sure you know that you know Jesus in a personal way. But I want you to make a commitment this morning and say, God, there's a couple things that I know in my life that I need to give to you that are going to help me not settle for mediocrity. And then you're going to raise your hand, but I'm going to pray, not, not for you personally right here by name, but I'm going to ask you to, to talk to me in a couple weeks and just say, John, during that message you talked about just not settling for mediocrity, here's what the Lord's done in my life. So in a couple weeks, you've got a chance to share with me a victory. So as your heads are bowed, would you just raise your hand and say, John, that's my prayer today. I want to rise above that level. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. 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 So Lord, as we, uh, we stand before you this morning, our desire is to reach the excellence that you've designed in our lives. Thank you for your love and your principles and your truth. The fact that you're the same yesterday, today, yesterday, today, and forever fact that, that that joy is known and is available and your peace is known and available. And I pray for those that raise their hands this morning because I pray that as we seek to change some things, and to, to step forward in some things that just seem to weigh us down, we will see you bless in an incredible way and your kingdom will be further. Thanks, Lord. Give us a great week in you. Pray for those that are still trying to decide for small groups, help them across that barrier and just be a part of one. Thanks for your love. See you.